All right, let's see. Sunday, January 10th, 2016, and it is podcast time. Good to have you back. Feels good to be back. First up, this episode is brought to you by Narragansett Beer. couple things I'm stoked on about Gansett. One is their slogan, which is made on honor, sold on merit. Back in that. Second would be their autocrat coffee milk stout. It is goddamn delicious. If you can get your hands on it, I suggest you do. And last but not least, I'm just stoked that they're willing to work with skateboarders. Uh, they sponsor our New England Am After Party. They sponsor this podcast, uh, which is really cool. So thank you. And as always, each episode is brought to you by AllIneedSkate.com. We are currently having a 2016 New Year sale on all apparel. So if you go to AllIneedSkate.com, click on the store link at the top, you can check it all out. We got t-shirts and beanies on there for 12 bucks. We got windbreakers and zip-up hoodies on there for 20. There's not much left. It's limited sizes. So get it while you can. And to everyone who has already taken advantage of our sales, thank you so much. That money directly goes into supporting the podcast and uh, it is much appreciated. Today's guest is legendary East Coast skater Toby Parkhurst. I grew up watching this dude skate in videos and magazines. And it was really rad to sit down with him and just chop it up about life and skateboarding and business. I'm always stoked when I like someone skating and it turns out they're also an epic human. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is The Shetland Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability to make art. And when things get tough... I hope they get it, I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners, we claim the victories. Yeah, come on! It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard. You're in a transitional world right now. Yeah, it's just basically going for it, you know. Sometimes you don't think about getting hurt or slamming, but you know, it happens. It's skateboarding, you know, it happens every day. Yep. People are worried about skateboarding and the skate state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like it's like we take over the streets. All right, what's up, Toby? How you doing, Anthony? Um, good, man. I just uh, got back from Skater's Edge. I was teaching a skateboard lesson today. With two little boys, and that was pretty cool because they're just learning about skateboarding, and uh, I kind of got to introduce them to like all the fun stuff, the power slides and shit. <laughs> How are you? Yep. Good, good. Just uh, hanging out at the house. We, uh, I got back from a trip to Morocco like maybe two days ago, and just been kind of jet lagged and have a lot of stuff to catch up with here. So I was hoping to make it to the skate park today, but I didn't make it. Wow. Why were you in Morocco? We went uh, pretty much every January, at least probably we skipped last year because I had had my son in August. Um, <clears throat> pretty much every January, I have got this crew of like maybe five or six guys and we go on a trip somewhere good. Um, we did, we drove uh, moto taxis, which are you probably know what those are from traveling. Uh, Tuk-tuks, they call them too. It's like a little motorcycle with, like, a couch on the back, kind of, like a three-wheeler. Yeah, like, sometimes you see those videos of, like, ten people on top of it, and you're like, Yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> we, drove, we drove those things across Peru over the Andes Mountains. Wow. And uh, we did that one year, and then <clears throat> the year before last, we did Vietnam from uh, basically the whole length of Vietnam. 
and then uh, we did we did one to Africa where we went to Tanzania, um, <clears throat> and then this one we took we we took motor we rented motorcycles in Malaga, Spain. Yeah, which sort of towards the south, just like maybe two hour drive to the to the absolute south of Spain. Drove down there, took the ferry across into Tangier, and then drove to the Sahara Desert. Got some camels, spent the night in the Sahara, and then up to Marrakesh for a couple of days to hang out. And then now we're back. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I bet, like, you've seen some Forrest Gump-type scenery. You ever seen Forrest Gump when he's, like, running and he doesn't want to stop running? He runs for, like, years, and then it's like, shows that all the scenery in the background, and you're just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the cool thing, because, you know, I mean, you know how it is, because you're, you're, you're right in it, that, you know, you're focused on skateboarding. If you're going to be successful in skateboarding, you have to be 100% dedicated to it, and there's nobody, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but there's nobody with their name on the board that hasn't you know, miss Thanksgiving with their family or, you know, miss an opportunity, you know, with a girl that's probably right for him or, you know, giving up every single um, thing you can think of for skateboarding. So, that you know, I've always had the traveling bug, but it's always really been focused around skateboarding. So It must be so cool to travel with that, like with just some buddies. And do you guys skate, but it's mostly just to see it? Well, it's like a different experience now. I mean, we did... Uh, last year, because of my son, we didn't want to go. I didn't want to go too far, and I didn't want to go too long. So we flew to Oregon and rode our motorcycles to San Francisco. We, we rented motorcycles in Oregon, big Harleys, and drove them to um, San Francisco and back up to Portland. So, so I got to skate Burnside for the first time, and there's a crazy park in Sacramento that we got to skate. So there's not much to skate in Morocco. I think probably if it was. Uh, 15 years ago, I would have had a photographer and a filmer, and we get it would have would have been those situations you know well where you're not really skating very much for the trick as much as for the image of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, skating a terrible spot and it's not necessarily super fun, but the imagery is so unique and you're bringing skateboarding somewhere different that you know the ground might be too rough to skate flat ground, but you're shooting a cool photo. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I mean that's. That's something I love about skateboarding. Like, I always loved Kenny Reed's photos because, like, for exactly for what you said, it was just so cool looking. And he was doing something basic, but it just looked it looked like art kind of, you know. For me, with photos, I always think of the best skateboard photo for me. As a kid, I don't know if you'll even remember it, but uh, there was a photo of Bobby Puglio, like every photo of Bobby Puglio, right? But there's one specific one where he did – it was San Francisco. He did frontside 50-50 on a ledge and then all lead out of the 50-50 up, like sort of a low to high, 50-50 oh. on, on another ledge. So the photo, when you look at it, he's just doing 50-50 on this ledge that's like, you know, shoulder high or something like that. But you had to read the caption and it was like all lead up? Well, like as a kid, you don't even have a concept of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're just looking at it you're like, how did he get up there? And I always really liked that. Yeah, the sort of mystery of of how that guy got there with his board, you know, was really. And that's always with Bobby Puglio because he does such cutty little stuff, and it's always like, how the fuck did he pull that off? Like that's so tight of a tranny or like a bank, and he's like, right, and then you go there and you can't even ride up to. Yeah, yeah, that. You didn't realize there was no runway too, or something. I always say this because, like, I was in a video with Bobby Puglio, and I definitely didn't deserve to be in that video. He had last part, and this was, like, one of my first video parts. It was La Luz, uh, Jay Maldonado. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, me and Chris Trembley shared a part. And I just remember, like, when the video came out and there was a DVD copy, I was just looking at the thing, and I'm like, how the fuck is my name on this with Bobby Puglio? It's a joke. I, like, I was a kid, like, skating the mini rep, going back and forth, just doing tricks back and forth and fucking up everyone's flow. And then I'm like, Bobby Puglio. He skated the Led Zeppelin. It was so fucking good. Yeah, that was the crazy part. All of his parts are classic. But... Yeah. All right. Well, I want to ask how I asked. I asked most of my guests, like, how they found their first board. I always love sure. that story. I uh, I grew up like pretty rural Maine, uh, in a town called Fairfield, and it was in and uh, uh, basically just my first few years of skateboarding were just in my driveway, and we had um, a little like banana board, like old school board that just kind of found its way, like really really old school, you know the plastic ones. Yeah, found its way into the garage, and and. It was there, and, you know, I remember just being a kid, kind of, like, in the garage, bored, nothing to do, this thing's got wheels on it, whatever. <laughs> but, of course, those are really hard to ride, right? The trucks are super loose, they turn. And then we got these GT, they were they said GT Coyote on them, <laughs> and they were blue plastic board with yellow wheels, and we definitely rode those things around, and definitely, you know, Police Academy came out, and so there was, like, this sort of known thing that skateboarding was um and then for christmas one year we got pro boards i got a i got a kevin stab mini wow sick uh, with uh schmidt sticks saw blades and uh trucks that i i believe i I think they were thunders but they didn't actually say thunder on them and i don't know i don't know if somebody could confirm this or not they had like a little sword on them oh i wonder so you think maybe they released something it just didn't have any branding (laughs) I don't know why I think they were thunders. I, I guess I've just always thought that. But um, and then my brother had a had a, a pair of Wellander board with the 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 Powell one that had the skull and the it was like fluorescent orange and then the independent trucks. And so we both got those boards and they were both completely dipped. You know, like rails, tail guard, nose guard, <laughs> rip grip. I don't know if you're you might you're a little younger than me. I don't know if you remember the rip grip. No, I I like know of all that stuff, but like I I don't I never had any. I had rails at one point, and then that phased out. And I remember bridge bolts. Like I don't even know why. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, bridge bolts. They, that was kind of. I mean, they are what they are, but they, they, there was also a period of time where people would put the bolts on the upside down. Yeah, that's fucking no, no nose. Yeah. So, uh, but the, but we, there, there was this stuff called rip grip that was basically like a like maybe an eighth or a quarter of an inch thick foam pad and it was sticky on the back so you'd like peel it off and stick it on your board it's basically like a sticker but it was thick yeah this was like make your make it easier to grab your board or whatever where would you put it on the top or bottom on the bottom at different shapes of it and stuff like like so so there would be one there would be one that was like a long one and you put it like on the inside of your rail sick rails aren't easy enough to grab on even though you know what i mean so it's just added stuff if you look you know now that i've told you about it you'll pay attention when you see old like pictures and stuff you'll see dudes that have it stuck on their nose and stuff like that yeah that seemed like a thing like at some point in skating it just got cool to like accessorize your board which makes sense because like i love grip taping boards and like putting sticker jobs and like it seems like if you started adding like rails and uh the grip you were talking about like it would just be something you'd want if you're a little kid like i need that you know like i think it's different now boards are so much more disposable yeah that was when, like, most of the people would get a board a year. Yeah. At that time, you know, it was they were, you know, nine and something inches wide. 
they were, I don't know if they were thicker. I don't know what the deal was, but they lasted forever, you know? And like I think cause maybe just because the level yeah. of skating, people, like, it was just, like, the progression. Nowadays, it's, like, kids are so damn good, they just burn through these things. Like, but back then, it was more, like, all these 180s grabs. Yeah, we're doing backside tail sides. Sick. <laughs> I mean, but you would think dudes would break some boards flying off jump ramps, but in that time period, I don't remember anyone breaking boards. It's weird. So... But, they were enormous too. So. so you started skating in Maine. Like, was there, there was there anyone skating? Like, it's funny. I you know I think, well, it's the same with you, right? You've got your crew down there, like that you came up with. Yeah. That Westgate uh, is PJ in that same and Gallant. Yeah, this whole area like was crazy. Don Pierre, Westgate, uh, Barley, myself. Like this whole area has like such a rich. Other dudes that were also super gnarly, but maybe a little bit less known. Yeah. You know, like Chris Trembley was super good. and, and One of the uh, best. John Hoisington from down there? Yeah, John Hoisington. He's still around, dude. He's skating, and he shows up. We do skate jams and all that stuff. I think he, he had a baby, and he's working as well. So it was similar for me. I mean, I, we had... There was a there was a crew of... There was a wave of kids that was a little older than me that you, that you wouldn't necessarily have known. Uh, and then the wave of kids that I kind of came up with, obviously there was a lot of them maybe that you wouldn't recognize the name, but uh, <clears throat> Joey Pepper grew up like 15 or 20 minutes from me, and uh, Judd Heald, farm boy, yes, everybody knows, grew up another like 20 minutes from me. And what about what about Welsh and uh, he's from Maine, right? Yeah, Welsh and and uh, and uh, Jehovah. Jehovah, they were both uh, like a little older than me, so I honestly I never. I don't know Welsh to this day. Um, he was Joey. No, obviously Joey knows him. They're really they're good buddies. But Joey's like a year older than me, which when you're 15 is a lifetime. <laughs> He's driving so, and you're not. <laughs> exactly. Rob was in Portland and and Joey got to know him that way. I think that's where that happened. And um, so yeah, I that was they were one wave and the next wave. Me and Joey and Judd are all like I'm the youngest one and then. Joey's a year older than me, and Judd's an older, a year older than that. So, not that we were a crew necessarily, because we, there, you know, there's 40 minutes between us, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that was before cell phones, but you know, we would call each other on the phone and be like, "Yeah, I learned this, or I learned that," and the other person would lie and say they had two, and then they'd have, to, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was really like that was really pushed the progression. And I think, you know, as kids going to contests, you know, having sort of another little kid that was super good made a, you know obvious difference so yeah when we when we were coming up we'd go to skaters island and it would be like dudes coming from 40 minutes each way or a half an hour each way and everyone just showed up like zared and yeah. everyone akil like everyone showed up at the island you're like whoa you're so good whoa you're so good and then it's just like you go home back to where you live in whatever curb or park or whatever and just i i can remember that time period because i i think i'm probably how old are you 33 yeah i'm 37 so you guys were little kids when i was going to Skaters Island as, like, a kid that, like, when I was in college, I would go to Skaters Island here and there. I would go with Sean Cronin, who you know, yeah. to meet Barley all the time. Sick. And I can seeing, I can remember, like, Akil, obviously, because there's not too many black kids on the skateboard, so he stuck out, obviously. And he was loud as shit. And you could not notice him, right? And then I remember seeing Zared just being, like, a little kid and being, I can't remember what I saw him do. It was either switch kickflip or switch heel over the big pyramid there. Switch kickflip. Switch kickflip for sure. I can remember him. Whoa, that kid is not even big enough to ollie over that thing. And you know what I mean? So I can, I can remember that. It's cool. I can, I can remember a lot of you guys 
coming up, I can remember when you and Brandon were first on Five Bro uh, and seeing you guys places, and I can remember seeing PJ at some situate park out in the middle of nowhere when he was really, really young and doing flip tricks on the on the uh, on the flat bank, like you know, like do go up and do switch kick flip, go up and do kick flip, go up and do heel flip, go up and do switch heel flip, you know, doing that as as like his like twelve, thirteen, maybe fourteen years old. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I'm a big fan, dude. I, when I was a little kid, cause you were a couple years older, dude, so I was like watching you guys. You got, you were in videos and magazines and like sponsored and doing stuff and we were like watching the content like, uh, and uh, I definitely a fan of your skating and the stuff you've done. H- how did you get from Maine to like find out about videos and magazines and sponsorship? Um, just like probably the same way. You probably did sheer will, kind of. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Of course, I look at I look at you guys and your your crew. I, I maybe that's the thing with skateboarding too. You always look at how talented other people are, right? And you don't recognize it yourself. I, mean, I, I sort of started recognizing that I was good at skateboarding like maybe two years ago. <laughs> when I started getting worse at it, you know. <laughs> but but you know you, you never look at yourself like as good. You, that's that's how you keep going, but. As a kid, you know, the one thing that my my family, you know, I think everybody's family has certain values, and, and my family's value really is hard work. And that was like, <clears throat> I don't think, I don't think there's anything, I don't think my parents would care what I did or, or um, what level of success I had if, as provided I was working really hard. That was very clear to me as a kid, and, and as an adult, that's really what drives me even now is, is that you know the the fruits of your labor have nothing to do with it. Yeah. It's it's your labor that you can be proud of and you can you know that's that's your character that's your worth as a person. So so as a kid you know my parents are are entrepreneurs they're small business people and um, they were they obviously had their concerns about skateboarding right especially then. Yeah. So for them it was like questions mostly. Okay, you want to do the skateboarding thing? Well, what does that mean? What does a pro skateboarder do? Can you make money as a pro skateboarder? You know, not saying you need to make a lot, but can you make money? And I was like, yeah, man, Kane Gale has a Civic. Of course you can make money. <laughs> Back then, that was a big deal. So I believe uh, it. I believe it. So for, so for me, the, the, the thing that really, that really hit it off for me and probably stuck with me the whole time I was trying to come up in skateboarding is that my dad would always say, and it's good advice, he'd say, if you want a job, find out, find out what it is and do it. And eventually somebody will pay you for that job. Yeah. You know? And so you'd say, like, well, what do pros do? You know, what do they, what is, what is a pro skateboarder? What do they do? I say, oh, well, they get in magazines. So, well, how do you get in magazines? Say, well, you don't do it in Maine, that's for sure. You know? <laughs> so, well, where do you go? So, so they, they really kind of like pushed me a little bit to think more so than I would have otherwise, I think, you know, because as a kid, you're kind of like, well, mom, if you'd just moved to San Diego, everything would be all good. You know, you don't look at what you can do to your situation. You look at what your situation could do for you. So long story short, I, I did, I had a couple of things, a couple of sort of moments that, that really kind of pushed me forward a little bit. One was going to New York, um, and and I could get there on a bus, and uh, it was a, a nine-hour drive, but I could go there, and I could go sit outside Supreme, and somebody with a camera would show up. And I was just naive enough as a kid from Maine and just, um, honestly, probably naive is the best word, uh, <laughs> or hungry enough to, to, you know, some dude shows up with a, with a camera bag and 
maybe it's RB, maybe it's Michael Mealy, maybe it's whoever, and I'm you know, can I, hey, can I go with you guys? Yeah, that's perfect because New York, everyone goes there to shred, I, and I, I always forget that 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 is like a meeting. That's the meeting of the minds, kind of that area. Sure. For sure. And being at the banks, you know, we go down to the banks, and and I had good, I had some good things. You know, me and Retta hit it off pretty good. My first photo in Trans World was his first photo in Trans World. What? That's sick. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy to think of that. That's. I don't a... know if you would remember that. It probably wasn't as monumental of a moment for him as it was me, but. <laughs> What photos? So, what was it? So there was that, and then and then I got on a small company called Eye Level, which was out of Tennessee, and honestly, they were probably my best sponsor the whole time I skated. They, that was like the the smaller companies are the best companies because they because you have the most impact and they care about you the most, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But they, I always, I always was one step ahead of myself, just being hungry, and uh, they were sending some guys down to Tampa, and I had just gotten on getting flow. Um, and I was like, "Can I go?" And they said, "Well, no, you're you're on flow. You don't." And I was like, "Well, if I get myself there, can I crash on the floor of the hotel?" And they said, "Sure." So I went down there, and as a kid, and it's funny looking back on it because I know that I know the drill now. You know what I mean? And, and and what how you're looked at when you walk into that environment, and like where you stand. You know, I'm a lot more clear with that now. Where as a kid, I was like, I anyway. Long story short, I got I got third at Tampa. Yes. Now, Kind of a big deal. That was like, you know, everybody in the top ten that year turned pro. Ninety was it ninety seven? Uh, yeah, ninety six or ninety seven. Yeah, probably ninety seven. Damn, that's sick. Third at Tampa. That's a trip. The year I graduated from high school. <laughs> what? That's and a good way to keep up. Be by myself. I didn't really know anybody, and I was um, just hungry, man. And I think the th- the thing about growing up really in like a really rural place is that, that I never really lost that excitement of seeing somebody else on a, uh, with a skateboard. Yeah. You know, coming up in the 80s, like, if you saw a dude with, this, with skate shoes at the main mall, you would go up and talk to that dude, and he wouldn't think you were weird for that, you know? <laughs> and it's not like that now, and I never lost that, and I still, even to this day, maybe it's just because I'm, like, 37 years old, but, like, I have no issue at a skate park just talking to whoever might be standing next to me, and a lot of times people take that the wrong way. I certainly have. Maybe maybe people think that's like an ego thing or something. You think you're you're the man or something, but I've never I've never taken skateboarding super seriously, you know, in the way that I look at other people or expect them to look at myself. But I've always taken my own skateboarding really seriously. Like I've always worked really hard at it. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. I, I 100% agree with all of that. I think it's very important. Like, cause skaters like a lot of times don't want to look at skating like a job, and that's fine. Like you can, you don't have to. But you can. Like, that's also an option to be a professional with Yeah, you know what? Fuck that, dude. (laughs) Fuck that. Because you know what? If you love it that much, you want it to be your job. Exactly. And if you don't want it to be your job, get out of the way because there's some hungry-ass dudes like me coming up behind you. I say the same thing, dude. You know, I I always look at it like this. I always think there's the people that are ultra-talented, and regardless of how hard they work, they're going to make it. And I I think of, like, PJ, right? PJ cannot help it. PJ could, like, you know, dig a hole and only skate in that hole with nobody around, and people still want to buy his board because he's that good, right? Yeah. And then you have dudes that are just pure, you know, willpower. You know, like, they just want it that hard. I think of, like, maybe Jamie Thomas or, like, you know, Scott Bourne or somebody like that. Yeah. They maybe, maybe like, didn't learn how to do, like, a nollie tray flip till they already had their name on their board for a few years. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, 
but wanted it so hard. And then you, when you think about the people, and Jamie Tone is probably not the best example because he obviously has some talent, but some talent obviously has a lot of talent. <laughs> but when you think, when you look at somebody like, say, Jeff Rowley or Luan or somebody like that, that's where you take the super talented person and the work ethic and you put them together. Yeah, and then you get you great take results. take it with one or the other. And, you know, like, like, for me, I didn't grow up as a good skateboarder. I'm not a dude. I was not the first one of my friends to learn how to kickflip. I was. The, I'm the last one of my friends still kickflipping. Come on, Toby, land the fucking trick. <laughs> for Christ's sake, you've been skating for five years, you know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying is, is that that you know, and if you really look at skateboarding as a career and as something you're going to try to do with your life, you have to you have to be up straight up with yourself about which one of those people you are. Yeah. And and if you're cool with being just the guy with the hard work, then you can achieve a certain level of success. Or if you're just the guy with the talent, you can leave a, achieve a certain level of success. Yeah. But if you want to make six figures, you got to have both. Yeah, absolutely. And you, either way, you're going to work hard. <laughs> the thing too is like when I've noticed is like when kids are super talented, especially at a young age and things come easy, they usually burn out or they don't have the desire to like, you know, they reach plateaus and then if they don't have the sure. character to work past them because they don't know struggle and they don't know, they don't have a work ethic built in. So, you know, being super talented at first, you might come out of the gates really fast, but that could hold you back if you don't grow, yeah. if you don't know how to grow. That. You definitely see that. And, and I, a lot of times you see those guys, there's somebody behind them pushing them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They, they, like you, might, you look at like P-Rod and Heath Brinkley. You know, I think of those two guys as like that dude's had P-Rod's back since he was like 11 years old, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Pushed him, and not that not that P. Rod needs a lesson in working hard. You know what I'm saying? But um, if you look at those really talented guys, a lot of times there's somebody that's holding the camera, that's motivating and pushing them. And if that goes away, that they spark and fade. You know? Yeah, it happens all the time. I, I, I I'm like agree with you. I don't feel like I'm the most talented skateboarder. Like I always kind of felt like I was at a disadvantage for whatever reason. Um, because of my mental state, because how I grew up with my family, I had uh anger management, and I was always on the edge of tears, and I was a little kid, you know what I mean. So I felt like I had, I didn't have discipline enough to like focus on my skating. So even if I was super talented, I like I built up walls in my own head that I couldn't get past, you know. And it took me a long time to get comfortable with people and the idea of me even being good at skating and. I like use skating as therapy. Like I obsessed over it, and like sometimes I wouldn't even. It was like abusive. It wasn't even like I was skating and learning tricks. I was just out there angry, kind of like. Well, that's interesting. I always looked. At, I always thought of you as talented. Well, thank you. <laughs> I put you in the talented category. I work really hard, much like you, man. I, I wouldn't have put you in the lazy category, but I no, no. Well, because I, I just think like you said, if you want to be involved in skating, it takes hard work. It's very. There's only seldom people that are just that talented, and the stars line up, and they're, they have a career, and it lasts. It's very seldom. You know what's you know what else is is crazy thinking about that is and I often think about this now. I'm 37 years old. I own my own company. I've got 20 employees. You know, I I I serve on nonprofit boards in the community. Like I, you know, I'm like a regular dude, right? Yeah. And uh, I think of how much as a, you know, as a kid who's sponsored, how much people are looking at you and how much attention you're getting, and not knowing. I never knew you had a had a. a rough family growing up i never knew that until like whenever that interview came out not that long ago yeah jacob here we are like interacting or whatever looking at each other and making judgments from each other you know as kids 
it's pretty intense the amount of pressure we put on kids that are just getting sponsored when the truth is like if you're 17 or 18 years old, you're probably kind of a kook, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're not the person that you're going to be. And, and it's it's too bad that, that it's too bad that I'm not, I don't have my mind, the mindset that I have now back then. You know what I mean? Because you could just do so much better. You just make so much better decisions and present yourself so much better. And, and you know, if you're doing, a lot of, you're just a kid, you're just doing kid shit, you know? And like, the world's watching. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it because I always say I want to get older. I like getting older because the older you get, the more you figure out who you are. If you're doing it right, you start to like settle and understand what your needs are and who you are and what you desire. When you're young, you're awkward as fuck because you're like puberty and like everything's new and you don't have a clue as to how to feel or act or how to be in society. So like if you're a kid and a teenager... Especially if they're throwing sponsors and money. I can't imagine that. That would never happen. I worked for everything just like you. But, like, imagine these kids that are just talented and they're throwing all the shit at them and they don't even know who they are yet and they have to, like, define themselves. Or, or even, even just have even have the awareness. I, I've always been kind of, like, a strong-minded person. I, I've always been very sort of set in my ways, probably, probably a little too much, you know? <laughs> never been afraid to speak my mind, and that's probably rubbed some people the wrong way, too, but... I can remember a situation when I first moved to Connecticut. I moved to Connecticut to go to college, and I'm at Skating Heaven. I'm sure you know that spot. Yes. And there's these dudes there, and they're skating in there, and this is probably 97. And I'm it, in my mind always, I'm a dude at the skate park. I never sit there and be like, oh, I'm the sponsored guy here. Like, never in my – and you know that because that would never cross your mind either, you know. Yeah. Maybe at a demo, you're kind of like, okay, I got I to gotta watch myself. I got to make sure that I'm interacting with kids. I got to make sure that – I'm giving opportunity for autographs or whatever. But when you're just a dude at the skate park, you're just a dude at the skate park. I don't care who you are. If you're, if you're, you know, Mark Capillard or you're, you know, just got sponsored by your first board sponsor, you know, like you're, you're not looking at yourself like that. So I, I can just remember this is a defining moment in my skateboarding. That I'm skating and there's a box set up there and these dudes, this dude does a willy grind. Yes. And I'm like, Oh, willy grind. Like I haven't seen that in forever. That's such a cool trick, you know? So I try, I do a willy grind. And I say that to him, like, oh, cool, willy grinds. I'm gonna, oh, that's awesome. You know, so I do a willy grind. Well, it doesn't occur to me that he's, like, dead serious about this willy grind. <laughs> you know? And, and it's, like, offended that I also do a willy grind. Tricks you know? are for everybody, asshole. Tricks are for and I, everybody. Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, like, unintentionally the dude one-upping this guy. Now, where I grew up in Maine, if, you, if you're trying to – a willy grind and I want to try a willy grind not only will I do a willy grind but I'll probably just talk shit to you too when I do it first <laughs> because like it's just the way it is it would be funny and, and we would both laugh and that's the way it would be you know like the flip side of that you know uh maybe 20 years later and I moved back to Maine skating Lewiston skate park I don't know anybody I just moved back here some kid says you want to play a game of skate I say sure we're skating he does a trick I go was that regular or switch he goes both what? Yeah, he goes both, and he like pops his collar or something, and it's like, oh, I'm home, exactly, you know, because because that's the that's the way it is. Like none of these kids up here consider themselves anything special, so they're just joking with you like you're a normal person. Yeah, that's awesome. Whereas whereas down in that in that environment, it was kind of like, oh, sorry, dude, I didn't know you were like the man here, and I had to you know step off a trick or whatever it is uh, to avoid feeling like you're one up but you know just my my point of that's sort of a weird story but the point of that is just that like 
when you're that age, when you're a kid, you're just doing you. You're just out there skating or doing whatever. You're not considering how people are looking at you or judging you or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's I have. Funny I ha- now as two grown-ass men talking about it when, when probably the first time I saw you, you were like 14 or something like that, you know. <laughs> I, I, I've been in situations like that all the time too, cause I'm overexcited and I think everyone thinks like I do, so I, I would do that as well, like someone do a crook and I'd like do it too, just cause you're like, yeah, like fuck yeah. And right, then right. you, you forget right. people are like, have egos and stuff and I'm the same way, like, I've had well, that. I was working on, I was working for that crook, that was my last, tr- that was like my moment right there and you just went behind me. Well what I do nowadays is like, cause I work at the skate park Skater's Edge in Taunton Mass, what I do is like, people ask me to play skate and I go, yeah, we're going to play skate, but we got to play gentleman's style, you know, gentleman's. And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, well, we got to start with Ollies and 180s and work our way up. Like, I don't want to double flip out the gate. I want to see what you can do on your board. And I want to show you what I can do. And I can do a lot of Nolly 180s and <laughs> like styly. Like, I like to pop tricks. And like, so I get everyone. I'm like, if they come to me. And that's how I said, I go, you challenge me. So I'm going first. And I'll start with an Ollie, 180, did it, and it's a gentleman's thing. It's like, let's not just attack, let's just skate. And like, by the time you get the flip tricks, we already played a whole game and everyone had fun. And then right. you get to the hard stuff. <laughs> it's a great ne- neutralizer, like even it all out. Oh, I agree. Okay. I, I was looking at it online somewhere and I, I, I saw a, a photo and it was talking about your first pro contest, and it was. I read the caption, and you were talking about Barley giving you some advice. I think he hit you in the chest, maybe. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. We were. I was with uh, Cronin and Jim Gagney. Yes, Jim Gagney. We were, Fuck yeah. yeah. And we were in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, I was there. I was writing for Foundation at the time, and. The contest was like, the course looked good, and the only way to skate the course was to enter the contest. So I called Beagle, and I was like, can I enter the contest? He's like, yeah, but we're not going to turn you pro right now, so if you do good, don't try not to, like, take the money, right? <laughs> You're like, yeah, sure, I won't do that. I'm like, sure, no problem. Loving, you know, living off these $50 photo incentive checks, I'll, I'll definitely turn down a couple thousand bucks to go out there. Um, Fuck me, right? Yeah, I, I entered the contest. Like I, 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 I didn't. I wasn't turning pro. I wasn't even turning myself pro. But that was my first pro contest. And that's it. Uh, Donnie comes over to me. You know how Donnie is. Don, you, you can know Donnie for twenty years, but he doesn't come directly over to you when you see him ever. You know, <laughs> like when he happens to be in your neighborhood, he'll he'll say what's up to you. Absolutely. Um, like you know, I'm like. I'm like, oh man, look at me out here, all nervous. I'm like, oh, there's Donnie. I'm gonna go stand next to him. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Said, uh, he goes, is this your first contest, pro contest? And I said, yeah. And so he punched me in the chest, and he goes, well, get your heart, get your heart out of your throat. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. He was, right. he was right. I definitely like. I was like, oh yeah, you gotta chill out a little bit. But I always did pretty good at contests. I think I might have actually beat him in that. Wow, <laughs> that's <laughs> sick, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's important to break the ice in those things. I still struggle with contests a bit too, cause it's weird when it's like it's all on you, like the, all the attention, and it's just like I don't know. I build them up in my head too much, I think. But I love doing them; they're really fun. I think I like the session before the contest, the warming up. Like you're skating with so many great skateboarders. Like you've been in Tampa and did really well in those things. I think the best I ever did was tenth. I always did pretty good in contests. I, I I really excelled there. I think because I'm not that good at tricks. You know, I don't. I never really had like a lot of tricks, so I can do a trick. And and just my mindset. You know, you you mentioned like a gentleman's game of skate. Like I definitely don't 
go straight to kick footprint board on a ramp. You know what I mean? That thing's going to get 50 50 and five boat and lip slid and tail slid and 50, you know, 20 tricks before I get there. So for me, a contest is easy because I'm not going to be the guy that does kick flip nose grind on the box. I'm going to Smith grind it and I'm going to Smith grind it every time. You know? Yeah. So, so you'll, get, you'll, you'll, I notice dudes like that. They'll be, they'll do like reserve tricks. They'll, they'll do basic tricks, but they'll do them well and they'll be consistent and they'll have a run planned out. Sure, and then you do your run, and then when you when you land it, you switch the Smith grind for a nose grind for your second one. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's I need. I, to, I'm not the dude. I never have been the dude that's going to win a contest, but I've but I've always done pretty well. I'm, I'm I've I was good at contests. I think uh, just just that it's just my mentality to like build a strong foundation. So that worked really good for me in that in that. Yeah, but, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, Zared was switch flipping pyramids when he was 12 years old i've i've never switched flipped a pyramid in my life so, <laughs> you know that's all right it's just like knowing knowing your strengths and getting in where you fit in and that seems like it worked for you in skating which is awesome well the other thing is you, i think when you get better you start wanting to expand your horizons a little bit and i think that's not always necessarily the best thing for you yeah you know because you should do what feels natural and you shouldn't feel bad being the smith grind guy or whatever because like let's face it you want to see Donnie Barley do a barley grind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I can I can remember talking to Ricky Oyola at a contest one time and him just being like, what am I even doing out here? Like, this is, you know, look at these dudes, skate, like, what they're doing and stuff. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I'm here to see you. Yeah. you know, I might be entering this contest too, but, but, like, we just want to see what you would do, you know? So maybe a little bit of that's lost with Street League and stuff. But I think, I think like, you should just do what feels good, and that's that's what makes you stand out. Yeah, one hundred percent, dude. Kids definitely need to hear that, especially nowadays too, because there's so many, there's so much content everywhere, and these contests are so big and money and fame and all this shit that like it's grown to that like kids nowadays it's easy to get carried away and like forget that you know just do what works for you and don't worry about all that other bullshit. <laughs> for sure. How how did you end up on Foundation? So you were you came from Maine. You got third in Tampa. You're riding for eye level, right? Yep. Where do we go from there? Um, eye level went down. That guy got accused of being a child molester. Oh shit! I heard about that. Accused? Yeah. Did, was did it ever find out, or was it just? He did time. Um, <laughs> but from my standpoint, from where I was at, I, I never saw anything like that. He never I, touched you. <laughs> I just wasn't even like. He's a weird dude for sure. Yeah. But. No, like, evidence that they had against him was, like, there was cameras in the bathroom. Well, yeah, there was. There was a closet in the bathroom, and that's where they kept all the cameras. Everybody knew that. Yeah. They weren't filming anything. It was just there. Yeah, it was just there. It was, like, a concrete room. It's not like you could hide a camera from somebody. They just made a mistake. They should have put the cameras way the fuck away from the bathroom. Well, maybe. I think maybe probably just wasn't even thinking of that. You know, and there was, like, footage of, like, one of the dudes on the team skating in the park naked. Well, he was one of those dudes. Like, if you knew that dude, you'd probably seen him skating a park naked. Yeah, there's always a dude that I'll whip his dick out. But, like, dude, put it right. away. <laughs> the guy wasn't filming weird, like, kitty porn or something. So I I don't know. I mean, you hate to... It's not like... What I thought was weird was that we were actually on a trip when it went down, and the FBI went in and shut down the company and took the guy to jail, right? Fuck. Now, we were all minors, all of us. Um, and we're on tour with this dude's car 
And uh, oh the FBI God. never, ever called any of us. Wow. Like, you would think. Yeah, at least your parents. Right. You, yeah, you would think if you were investigating somebody for child molesting that you would reach out to, like, the five or six kids that he has pictures of all over where he lives. Yeah. We, never. Not one of us. Damn, I wonder if he was into something and they just, like, pinned something on him. Because, like, you know. The, the, the rumor was that there was a kid in a small town, Polk County, Tennessee, or wherever, like, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. He was a pilot that did a skateboard company sort of, like, for fun. And he bought this huge warehouse in the middle of nowhere and he built made boards and he just, like, had a team. And, um, the word was that some kid was trying to get on the team and didn't get on the team and his dad just happened to be the DA. And, you know, the kid made some comment, well, like, maybe if I, whatever, like, so-and-so, and then they just were all over it. Yeah. It was time then, you know, like, the 90s in Tennessee was not, like, the time to have a skateboard company with a bunkhouse in it, you know? Dude, that's such a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Wait, yeah, was did or not, it's fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah, we were just, like, on this trip, like, whoa, what the, f-? you know what I mean? We didn't know what to do. Nate Jones was on that trip, I think. Who was? Nate Jones. Remember oh, Nate Jones? Dude. It was unreal. Dude, talk about people that do basic stuff so fucking yeah. good. Yeah, that dude was really sick. You could backside flip all day or tray flip and I just like watch it looped again and again and again. So, okay, so I level... Anyway, so I level folds, I did a stint on uh, Transit. Oh, yeah, Transit. I forgot about Transit. Yep. yep. Um, me and Rocky Norton. Is that his name? And J.R. Yeah. Rocky was like this muscle dude from the Midwest somewhere. Texas? Was he from Texas or uh, West? For some reason, I thought he was. I don't know where he's from. He probably knew more than me. Um, I fuck it. We were the we were the AMs, and then it was Tom Boyle, Charlie Wilkins, Stacy Lowry, and Mike V. Damn. And uh, that obviously that was an awesome company too. I got the best packages ever from them. I can remember being home, just getting packages and just being so psyched on that stuff. And that was an awesome company. Yeah. I don't know what went down with it. I, I wasn't, like, in the loop enough. I, I only knew Mike from talking to him on the phone. Um, I never went on a trip with him. Like, I never met Charlie until after that company was over and stuff. So I was just, like, the kid from Maine on flow, right? Um, but anyway, I was on there, and then I went to college in Connecticut. I met Sean Cronin. Um, my buddy Adam Clark, who I'm sure you know I met around that time. Hell yeah. And uh, I got on Foundation with a sponsor me tape. I sent I sent tape to uh, Foundation and the label, and maybe Element at the time, maybe not. Damn. Uh, but I had a little bit of opportunity to ride for um, New Deal. Then they were, I talked to them a little bit about that was when it was like under Giant. Yep. But that just didn't really didn't really do anything for me, and and they weren't really super stable, and I didn't. It's not like I knew anybody on the team or anything. But Beagle called me, and I was always a fan of Foundation. I really liked their video, Rolling Thunder. Yeah, fuck yeah. I thought what I what really drew me to that company was that it seems like a real collection of individuals. Yes, I thought that. I just watched Nervous Breakdown again, and that was my first thought. Was that when, like I love this. That's what I wanted. It, that's what I wanted that company to be was really like a collection of the, of individuals. You know, they did their punk rock thing and all that stuff. But um, so Beagle called me and was like, "Hey, I want to send you some boards." And, and I took it from there because I'm I'm hungry, dude. You know, like 
I saved my money. I flew myself out to California. I stayed with being all. I, you know what I mean. I, I did everything I could. I, yeah, you wanted to make it happen. That's oh, whatever it takes. I cold called Mike Burnett. I got Mike Burnett's phone number from Eagle. I called him. I was like, "Hey, I'm so and so. I just got on Foundation. I want to get a check out in Thrasher. Can I roll with you?" He picked me up. We went out skating. I got a th- I, I got a Thrasher check out. You know. Sounds like you're the best dude to sponsor because you're just so proactive. I, I was definitely hungry. Probably. Uh, more so than I maybe should have been. Like, I was a little maybe more focused on doing the work than I was focused on growing down. Yeah. I always say, like, if I had if I had quit skateboarding and stayed in San Diego and just hung out at the crowbar, I might have I might have been done better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was more, like, I was just focused on, like, what my dad always said, like, do the job, you know? So I, I can remember it ended with foundation. I was a little, it was a little weird. I had this mindset of what foundation would be like and and beagle was cool and he shot it to me straight all the time and uh basically told me i should change the way i dressed and how i should skate a little bit differently this way or that way and it didn't sit well with me really um and then you're like fuck so, no <laughs> so he was probably I, you know i don't know it it's hard to it's hard to think about it like now because i know that marketing is a thing well, that happened a lot in that time, dude. Like, there was, like, Chris Cole, like, Jamie Thomas supposedly told him, like, to dress a certain way. And, like, for in skateboarding, it seemed like there was, like, at that time, it seemed like there was formulas. And if you did do things, it would work. And, and like, but who wants... The thing is, the dudes that really, that really do it were either the first to do that formula or the people who completely rejected it. You yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't that much longer that Dill's part in Photosynthesis came out where he kicked all that shit in the head, right? Yeah, fuck So it. it's like... You know, probably if I if if I'd been a little more developed version of me, it would have been fine to just do my own thing. But I was just some kid in Maine, and like every pair of pants I owned was a different size. And you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I don't think I was I don't think I was a cohesive enough uh, thing to market myself. You know? But and I then, that. I like that very much. So because all the brands I really like, they had a collection of people. It wasn't just like carbon copies. It was just individuals that came together, and they all had different strengths and. I love, like, weirdo collections. Like, those are the best. the coolest thing. And I, I love that video. It was, like, Steve Olson and Steve Barra yeah. and Frank Harada and Beagle and Keith Kirchart. And, like, none of them were the same. Yeah. Like, you can tell that, like, Keith Kirchart and Rush Beagle hung out together because they, like, dressed the same and skated the same spots. But you knew that none of those dudes were really kicking it with any of the other ones, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I, so I wrote for them, and, and it was cool. I enjoyed it. Um it was definitely nice to have that sort of pedigree of writing for a big board brand because it helped with other sponsors, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I didn't, I wasn't down with California. I couldn't do California. I can remember being out there filming for a Duff's video and just bitching about being in California, you know, just feeling like I was not being productive. And Ricky Badenbaugh saying to me, you know, if you don't fucking like it out here, you can go home. <laughs> you don't have to be out here. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I should either shut up and make the best of it, or I should go home. Um, and I went home. <laughs> Straight up, I went home. I went back to the East Coast where I felt where I felt good, and I and I was the I, you know I was redheaded stepchild. I got uh, I got kicked off Bones shortly after they told me I wasn't focused on skateboarding anymore. Um, even though I was getting more coverage than I ever had, I just hadn't been in California for a while. And then I. Uh, I want to. I actually quit Foundation. It was sort of like a weird thing. I was. I was sort of like having this conversation with Beagle about who was going to turn pro and what was going to happen and like what the long term plan was for different people on the team. 
And he was like, well, he's like, none of the AMs are really going to do anything because uh, Brad Davis said he'll quit if we give any more AMs an ad. And I was like, I was like, who cares? Your AMs get more coverage than he does anyway. Yeah, like probably wasn't the best thing to say. Right? <laughs> in hindsight, <laughs> but well, in hindsight, the AMs were Daniel Shimizu, uh, um, Omar Salazar, uh, myself, the, the least probably um, notable, and and I mean they were they were heavy hitters. Yeah, you know, like they were they were dudes that have stuck around and were have, have been impactful. Um, so I was like, well, you know what? If I'm not moving forward, I'm moving back. So. Should I look for something else? And he said, you know, if you feel like that, yeah, you probably should. And that was it. I never called for another box after that. Yeah, well, at least he was honest with you and you could, like, move past it, you know? Because sometimes there's weird situations like that. Like, I had kind of similar with New York where they were just like, they was like, yeah, we're going to turn you pro. And then it didn't happen. And it lingered. And I just was kind of like, they kind of, they weren't up front with me like, like uh, Josh was with you, which I wish they were. Because then, you know, but I just made a move anyways. I was like, well you guys yeah. are doing shit, then I'm still going forward with or without whatever. Like, plans don't change. Like Biggest bummer for me about that is that when I got on, I've always been vocal. Even though I was, like, on flow, I was telling who they should put on for pros. You know what I mean? Sick. Just, like, didn't know any better. But I really pushed hard for Justin Shubing and Chris Markovich. Ooh, both so my, good. My favorite skaters. And I was like, they were both in places at that time where it almost seemed like Justin Shubing, if you can picture this now, like, wasn't high profile enough to be on foundation. Crazy. Which is absurd when you think about that now. But he wasn't super high profile. You know, he'd been on, like, Adrenaline or Good Times or something. And um, So, anyway, after I, that that ball got rolling, I'm not saying it was because of me. Obviously, I never got Chris Martin sponsored, right? But yeah. I was really pushing hard for that and, like, always showing Beagle videos of him and being like, look how sick these guys are, you know. And then I get done and those dudes got on. So, and I think, I think if Chris always has had my back in skating – I think if those dudes had been on a little earlier, I probably would have stayed with the foundation a little longer because I think they would have, they would have, uh, you know, sort of like even the scales a little bit from Brad Stable, who I never even met, never in my life met Brad Stable, never seen him anywhere. Yeah, it's we- that's always a weird situation. Stuff <laughs> on the shots, he's never even met you. He's Which played- is probably my own fault, you know. I'm out here in Connecticut or whatever, going to college, and he sees a picture in the magazine and doesn't like my hair dude or something who knows yeah it's easy to do that from a distance for sure sure to forget that it's like people with like their goals and things they're into it's like um so you moved back home though Which yeah i moved to i went back to connecticut when i graduated from, I, I pretty much lived in connecticut the whole time See. um i went to I, I briefly moved to california after high school and i basically showed up there rolled my ankle and i was like this isn't enough you know, like, I can't sit on a couch at some stoner dude's house waiting to get better. You know, like, my life, I, I need more of my life for this. And, of course, I didn't assume, I didn't think getting a job as an option for some reason. Because <laughs> I, I, uh, you, uh, you want to skate all the time, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't consider it. Because I, I basically signed up for college and went back and went to college full-time. And and most of the skateboarding that I did, most of the video parts I filmed, and most of the coverage that I got was while I was in college. Sick. That's good. That See, that's just proof that, like, I always hear that excuse, like, I got at school and this and that. I'm like, that's bullshit. Yeah. If you're motivated, I mean, I, listen, I took 730 classes every single semester. Because if you take 730 classes, you're out by noon. 
So when my skateboard friends are rolling out of bed, I've already done my college. Yeah. You know, and that gave me an opportunity to live on like student loans and sort of like ride the train or whatever, you know, like without having to get serious or grow up or get a job until I could, you know, get to a place where skateboarding would pay me a little bit. Yeah. What did you go to school for? Um, I, I majored in political science and not for any reason other than those were the classes that I enjoyed. So I have a, I have a, um, bachelor of, of arts. Do you use it? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say I use it directly, but I, I definitely see the value in going to school. I definitely, um, um, learn things about the world that I wasn't learning, in in other places it seems like you are like focused even at school then because like most people go to school or like the stories i hear anyways like people go and they don't even know why the fuck they're going no they're they're wasting their money and their or their parents money probably (laughs) yeah and they're no i i I, that wouldn't have been an option you took it like a job probably you had work for me to go to college and not like be on the honor roll was not going to be a thing that wasn't going to happen good shit you were honor roll of course, I mean, that would have been—it's irresponsible to not do that. Fuck yeah! <laughs> like, like, like job and not working, you're an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, you are. That's but, awesome. <laughs> and and, and if, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be in the in the presence of an education, you might as well get it. Yeah, I would see. I never, so, I never drank alcohol either. Say never you never drank alcohol? Not until I was twenty-one, a little maybe twenty-two. Was that just because you didn't want to, like, pile out? Like, people were drinking alcohol were piling out, or what? That was because that wasn't going to help me become a pro skateboarder, honestly. I like that. I just looked at it like, like, this is my goal. I have a lot of things stacked against me, and there's not a positive thing that's going to come from drinking alcohol. Yeah. So I just do it. I just didn't mess with it. You know what I mean? And it's another expense. That's, like, something I always hear people like, I don't have the money. And I'm like, yeah, but you have a pack of cigarettes. You got alcohol. You got weed. You got... <laughs> I might well, never mess with that stuff, and and it helped me a lot. I think it really did help me. I, I have no judgment or towards other people or how people in their life. I don't care. Yeah. But I I just for me and I'm a goal oriented person. And I have things I want to do in my life even now. Yeah. And shit doesn't help. Just doesn't get you there. Now I'm 37 years old and I enjoy craft beer. You know what I mean? I like everybody, but. To this day, I've never smoked weed. I've never messed with any type of drugs. I never. It's just not in my program, you know. There's, there's too much. I got it. There's too much. There's too much effort that it takes to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish to waste my time slowing myself down on some dumb shit like that. Yeah, I like that, man. When I was coming up skating, I was similar. I didn't fuck with much. Like, I had my moments where I drank a lot. But for the majority, I was very conservative. I didn't even really smoke weed. But it was all financial because I was just hanging on. Like, I wanted to live this dream, you know? Well, that's the other thing, too. I probably, now I have a lot more disposable income, so it's a lot easier to enjoy a beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I, I might, I definitely, like, don't buy a, a six-pack of Budweiser and drink it one night. But I might, like, buy a $4 beer and drink it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, what I'll do is I'll get a six-pack, and it'll last me the week. I'll have, like, two here, two there. Sometimes one's in there for way too long. I like to celebrate, not party. It's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> you work hard, you can take that moment, have a good beer, get a good night's sleep, you're chilling. <laughs> That's something I, I, I had to, like, make my peace with that as I got older, too. Yeah. Know? It's tough to come up in skateboarding if you are not if you can't even be a social drinker. I had Kevin Marks on the podcast. You know Kevin? Yep. Yeah. 
he's he's a straight edge and all that stuff and he was speaking the same thing it kind of hurt it kind of hurts your social it can hurt your social no side you know yeah no doubt yeah and it did for him too it doesn't get any different it's the yeah. same in business yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> it is it's just reality that's that's the way the american culture socializes well nowadays i like the podcast because like we just sat down, it's been an hour already, and we get to have a legit conversation. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm on drugs right now with my coffee, <laughs> it's caffeine, you know. <laughs> it's not like, I mean, sometimes I smoke weed when I do the podcast, and sometimes I'll have a beer, but it's all like moderate, and I'm actually interacting with someone, and we're not partying, we're like conversating about ideas, you know, which is like that's why I really like the podcast. It's a great tool sure. for that. Um, I think for people too. I think I think different things hit people in different ways and like for me i'm a i'm a disciplined type person yeah and i don't do a good job if i don't give myself rules you know yeah i, I get up at 5 15 every single day that's what i do fucking awesome <laughs> like it's just it's what i do. it's just what i have to do to keep it to keep it moving you know so what are you doing right now for work i have when i moved back to maine in 2008 I went to work at my parents' glass company, um, and I run that now. My my sister came back to work there too, um, so she works there with me. But but basically, I run a glass shop. We've got twenty one or two or three employees. Uh, we're primarily a contract glazing company, so like we put the glass in schools, hotels you know, whatever. We do have a residential division. That's what my sister does. Wow. We do, like, um, uh, shower doors and final windows and things like that. Damn, sick. And you enjoy that? You know, I, I definitely I definitely didn't dream of running a glass shop when I was a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know if anybody dreams of being a contract laser when they're a kid, but... Um, the main difference between the real world and skateboarding is that in skateboarding, you can work really, really hard, and it doesn't necessarily equal to what you get out of it. Yeah, you're not always going to get reap the benefits of your hard work. I mean, let me just get salty East Coast old guy. <laughs> but it's we, true. We both know dudes that have worked so hard and gotten nothing out of skateboarding, and we both know dudes that haven't worked that hard and somehow just continue to ride it. Yep. Honestly, that probably comes down to their social skills, right? But the, but the difference between that, that was always tough for me, you know, like when I was on foundation, and they're like, sorry, you're not getting an ad. Uh, Brad says no more AMs get ads. And then they run a fucking ad of a picture of a skateboard. And I'm like, wait, we're not, you know, wait, you just took my photo, sent it to Transworld, and they ran it as a contents page, and you ran an ad of a picture of a skateboard? Yeah. That's, what are you talking about? That's absurd, you know? Because and I, what I'm saying is like how hard I worked didn't have anything to do with how well I did. You know, yeah. not getting an ad had nothing to do with how hard I worked. Well, in the real world, it doesn't work like that. You work hard and you enjoy the fruits of your labor. Yeah, and that's something that's really gratifying for me is to is to work hard and do well. That's like. Really and you nice. still you still have time to skate though. And yeah, I still skate. I I it's tough because I have a lot of irons in the fire. I have a lot of things that I want to do, but I mean. The idea that I'm not a skateboarder or that I could somehow not be a skateboarder is, like, absurd. You know what I mean? Like, 
once you're in it on this level at this at this part, it's in your DNA. It's part of. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's the that's the truth of it. Like I know tons of dudes when I was growing up, and they would just complain about stuff and skating, and like oh, I don't have time for this, and like girls and drugs and all this shit. And then like you look back, and you're you know you're thirty nine. How old are you? Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Yeah. Thirty seven, and skateboarding's still in your life, and you have sure. this history, and you can still do it. Those are the people you look at and you're like, yeah, they really they really wanted to keep skating in their life because it wants to pull it away from you. It wants you to go get that job and suck your Body time up. Sleep. And yeah, yeah. So and it's even harder now. I mean, I mean, I I work a lot of hours. I have a I have a son. I own property that needs managing. You know, I, I, I'm involved in you know volunteering things, and and so it's easy to find other things to do than skateboarding. That's for sure. <laughs> definitely. You know I love skateboarding because I still work hard enough to make it to to find a place in my life for it. You know that, that's beautiful. That's been my big objective is like how do I make my work skateboarding? Because like you know I've been pro and traveled just like you and like that was amazing. And then the buck stops at some point and then I started my own brand and then I started doing the contest and the thing and like I still work the nine to five and slowly it's starting skateboarding starting to take over more time which is awesome because i'm able to get you know a little bit of money to do certain things that involve skating so the goal is to like transfer over completely for me <laughs> that's what I'm, my big hustle is like how do i just get submerged in skating like maybe not like being a pro athlete but running sure. the brands putting out content and doing all that stuff where that can just be my whole life and then i can like help other people do it like we sponsor kids and stuff it's fucking awesome like cory and all that stuff but I, exciting that you're able to to keep it going like that. It's yeah. Good. I I I uh I would still like to be involved more than I am right now. But I I've had I had like a weird transition in my life. Maybe not weird, but um coming to Maine where there's no like media or anything. Yeah. Well, there there, there is more now, but 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 when I moved back here, it's like filming a trip. It's not an option anymore. Yeah, a thing, you know, and for a while I would go to Boston or I'd go skate with those dudes in Lowell or, or whatever to try to, like, keep it moving or something, but uh, gradually the, there are there are other things that are important to you, and, and, and you know, having a wife and a son and, and a business, I got 20-some-odd people's families depending on my business being successful, you know, so, so it's not... It's not that it's not important to me personally. It's just that there's bigger things than me personally it's, that I have to look out for. You know, that's yeah, that. that's awesome. And you can get the same feeling you get from landing a trick in business. Like, if you do something and you, you know, you're like, yeah, okay, we're gonna make money this month, and everyone's gonna be able to eat, and we can do this and that, and it's like, right. in, some, in, some, in some ways, I hate, and it's weird to say this, but in some ways, it's better. Yeah. You know, in, because because skateboarding is for kids. It's mm -hmm. run by kids. And and it should be for kids, you know. That's it's a youthful activity. Luckily, you have people that stick around, like yourself, that can kind of help guide those kids. But you know, the 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 kids look at things differently. You know, kids look at your outfit or your you, you know whatever, like your sponsors or whatever. Grown ups, it's different. You know, your success is your success. Period. Yeah. Take that away from you. You know, I can I can go buy this or go buy that or do this or that, and like. Nobody takes that from you. Nobody just decides you're not cool anymore or that you're not, like, that this guy, the hot new kid is, like, more important or whatever. Like, that doesn't that doesn't happen in the real world. And that's something that's really refreshing. In some ways, it's more pure. Yeah. 
that the real world. I mean, the the other thing that that's happened to me in my, my sort of like journey with skateboarding is that now that I could really give a shit about that, skateboarding has become a lot more pure. Yeah. I go out and skateboard without any care in the world about what's who rides for who or who's on the cover of the mag this month or like what people think of this latest trick or like if I'm skating good enough for you know how what people expect or you know that kind of stuff. I'm sure that you know as you get older and more secure, I'm sure you don't like. I know you're a lot better. You probably don't spend a lot of time worrying about what people think of you either because you're fucking ripping. But <laughs> as a kid, it's like as a dude who's older and getting worse at skating, it's really refreshing to like go to the skate shop and pick out a board. Yeah. And like pay full price for it. I love that. It's yeah, like, that's it's awesome. Like the best feeling for me. I didn't buy a skateboard from when I was 16 years old to when I was 30 years old. Good run. <laughs> Skateboarding owes me nothing, man. I love to buy. I love to buy a skateboard. I can relate totally, dude. I mean, like, I've been skating and jumping down things my whole life, and, you know, I got arthritis, and I have no ACL in my left knee, and I haven't had it since I was 16, so there's, like, bone on bone, and, like, I'm still skating, like, hard, but not as much as I'd like, and I can feel, like, you know, I can feel the tug, you know? I'm not there yet, but I can feel, like, there's a tipping point, you know, where, like, you just can't, you know, I can feel it coming, and I've always had that feeling when I was young, because, like, uh... I go into this a lot, but I lost my father at 12, and that gave me, like, a sense of time and frailty. So, like, I always felt like things were slipping. I'm like, shit's very valuable. Time's very valuable, which also contributed to me working really hard. Um, but as I'm getting turning 33, and I, like, my time's being taken up by other responsibilities, and a lot a lot of the other responsibilities are, are awesome. Like, the podcast is, like, that's a big responsibility. I get to have dudes on like you and tell your story, and we get to share that with my listeners, and I have other people on, and it's like... I'm still involved with skating, but I'm not on my board. And same with the contest. I'm, like, running this, and i got to organize all of it. So less time I'm skating, my 9 to 5, the brand stuff, I'm on a computer more. And it's, like, I'm still involved with skating, but, like, I don't get to progress as fast as I want. But I can feel it. I can feel it. And I, I think of all the older dudes that, are, like, Steve Rodriguez and dudes that are still skating, and I just listen to their words. And, I, you know, I love how people age gracefully and still love skating. And I think some of those dudes have the best style because, you know, they just fall. They ease into their tricks and they appreciate the skating. And you can tell when they're on their boards, there's a smile and energy that's better than all the tricks in the world, you know? A different motivation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, for, for me, I, I, I got into skateboarding. I love skateboarding. And I did, dedicated my life to skateboarding. And that happened when I was like 10 years old. And didn't change until I was 29 years old. Hell of a run. <laughs> like, like, right. Like, but, but that's a serious thing to be that, to be that focused on something for that amount of time. Like, you take it seriously and like, shit matters. Yeah. Like, I'd be looking at the magazines like, oh man, it's been, you know, three months since I've been in a magazine. I've shot this amount of photos. I, you know, I used to like not set up a board unless I'd filmed a trick or shot a photo on it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like you don't change it, but like, you, like you earn that board. So like you, you set that board up. You better film a trick or shoot a photo on it before you set up a new one. You know, yeah, that's I like that. That's a good rule. I always just always kept it as a job in my mind, you know, not not because not in like a kooky way, but in a like I'm getting shit for free. Like this is working. This is this is like for me to be able to do this for free and to get money for it and to be able to do it as much as I have, like it's it's a job, you know? Yeah. But there's a there's a crazy amount of freedom to be able to let that go. To be able to just like not have to do that anymore and not um to just go back to being like a 10 year old kid with a skateboard 
Yeah, play, playing is the most important part in developing in humans. Like, the thing they take away from you as you get older is your ability to play. You have to fight for that. You have to, like, find ways to keep that in life. That's why people play video games and people do all these things is because they're striving to play and, like, create and just be, like, silly. Silly again. We still need that. No matter how fucking old you get, you still need to play. You're 100% right. Sorry, having a kid probably allows you the ability to be silly again, huh? Yeah, yeah. To some degree. <laughs> having a kid is the best thing that ever happened to me, for sure. For sure. Best oh. thing ever. How old's your child? He's 16 months. Oh, that's crazy, dude. I, it's crazy. They're so, like, when they're so little like that, it's like a ball of energy and they stare in your eyes and they're like, it's like a blank slate that you can, like, help. You can help this person enjoy life or you can help them experience the journey a little different than you did. Like, I don't have kids, but my niece had one, and, like, I love little kids, man. Yeah. I'm just excited to – it's a good motivation for me to, to stay in good shape and to keep skating and things like that because, you know, I got another 10 years before that kid's going to be able to, like, really enjoy physical activity with me. Yeah. Be 47 years old, and, like, my motivation is to, like, still be able to, like, run around with him, you know, and to – if that if 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 I'm blessed enough that my kid wants to go skateboarding when I'm 47 years old, I fucking better be in good enough shape to go with him. Are you are you are you gonna what age are you gonna put the pads on? <laughs> He's already got a board. He's got two, he has two of them actually. No, I mean for you. Like, do you think? Oh, for me. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I will. Honestly, I I think I think um I noticed this as I got a little older that you know I have this idea, especially with all these like shaped boards coming out. Yeah. That I'll like change the way I skate or whatever, and I'll be like more transition oriented. But like, when you go skate, especially if you don't have any pressure on yourself, you do what feels good. And sorry, man, shaped boards like they don't work for me. They're not. They, we changed from that shape for a reason. <laughs> I stopped doing bonuses for a long time ago for a reason. You know, that's a pretty limited trick. You know, so like, not hating on it. It's just that 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 for me. I don't see myself changing the way that I skate. Maybe just not being as good at it. Maybe being less consistent. <laughs> That's not a conscious change. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no. I, I, yeah, I know. I, I think of that, but I, I think you probably, I think you probably, as you get older and you have less pressure, you probably revert to the things that you know well and. So for me, that's skating a flat bar or skating a ledge or whatever. And yeah, I love that. I do mini ramp and flat ground. Flat ground forever because the fundamentals. I can literally just go to the skate park and find my center of balance on my fir- on my front foot and just push around and do circles. And, like, like, half the time I'm at the park, I'm just riding around and trying to, like, be balanced. and just. Yeah, you're lucky that you're as, as, as close to it and as in it as you are because you still get to, like, see the kids that are really good and, like, there's a there's a that you're you're part of the energy of it. That's part of what I miss about being a little bit older and, and like none of my homies skate. Yeah. You know? You know how many thirty seven year old dudes do you know that skate? Like there's just not that many of them. <laughs> and you know every one of them. You yeah, I mean? dude. <laughs> you know every one of them in every zip code around you, so Well Toby, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually like I said, I'll be working at Skater's Edge more and I'm gonna start we're gonna start a YouTube channel for the skate park and uh we're going to start filming, like, you know, we're going to have, like, filming nights and, like, just other sessions. So if you ever come to the park, dude, you got to get a mini ramp run online for us. <laughs> I'm down to get a mini ramp. We got a good mini ramp with a spine. It starts, like, four foot, and then there's a bigger side, and, like, it's really awesome. fun. So it'll be yeah, awesome. I'd love, I'd love to be around it. 
Yeah, and I love the energy of like of kids that are that are hyped and pushing it, and you're lucky to still be around that. We have a park here. I I I, I uh, one of the first things I did when I moved to Maine was raise money for a for a concrete skate park. Right. So we've got a little concrete park in Augusta. It's really fun, and it's been there long enough now where the kids that started skating when that park got built in their neighborhood can like do 360 flips and stuff. Sick. So it's cool, really, to see. And I'm not. I don't want to take like credit for that but it's cool to have created an opportunity for some kids to have access to skateboarding that otherwise wouldn't dude that's huge when I, that's so huge because i lived in new hampshire and they didn't have a park and we raised money to get the park and it makes all the difference in the world everything it changes everything yeah that's awesome <laughs> that's one of the about skating now isn't it it's that it's accessible say it again that's like the best thing about skateboarding now is that it's accessible yeah, I love because it was when I was a kid. It wasn't accessible. You know, I had a I had a railroad tie in my driveway, and that was skateboarding to me. That's all we had. Well, there's versus a kid now that grows up, and there's like a concrete skate park with a bowl down the street. Yeah, and it's funny that you say it's not accessible because it's almost not accessible. Like you're skating dirt roads in Maine, and you're just like dragging logs out and making rails and sliding. Yeah. Like, and then what's crazy is that you made it to a professional level because. You know, if skating, the act of skating itself isn't that accessible. Now imagine there's no industry. Like, uh, that's been my big goal is like trying to build it up here where we have these things like the New England Am contest where that's where everyone comes together or like these things where we can form an industry and everyone come together. Cause like, like you said, we didn't have that. It's so hard to come up for, you have to move your whole life to California. I did it. You did it. A lot of dudes did it. It's crazy. And when we didn't do it, we suffered for it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because that's uh, that's just the reality. And, and you know, I think you probably made the decision. I know I made a conscious decision to like take my skateboarding career down a notch or back a notch to be closer to my friends and family. Yep. You know, and now kids, I don't necessarily think they have to do that. I think they can make it happen where they are. The internet. You, you can be your own media now. Yeah, the internet's a, huge. Yeah, you could buy a, a like a lens for your iPhone. And I mean, we didn't have cell phones. My God, we we didn't even. My first sponsor me tape was filmed on one of those like VHS shoulder cameras. And like grandma cams. <laughs> yeah, and edited with two V two VCRs. You fucking put the VHS tape right into yeah. the camera. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's what that was the technology then. That's what there was. <laughs> You're showing your age with that one. <laughs> hey, it's reality, man. It's just what we did. VHS tape, VHS sponsor me tapes with my like name and you know home phone number on them uh, all right I got uh, sponsored i got lots of sponsors that way <laughs> it worked it fucking worked yeah, it's the only, it was the only way to do it but when you, it's not like it's not like they were going to cruise by and see me ripping the local you know railroad tie or something well, yeah nowadays they're not even going to fucking have a vcr so don't kids don't try yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then if you're going to send the sponsor me tape as a vhs mail them a vcr as well that'll work <laughs> um i had two things i wanted to talk about one was Theory Skate Shop. Yep. Um, how, how I don't know the actual actual history with how you're involved with Theory. Uh, I'm not really. I you mean, skate for that? Like I always assumed like you skated for them and that was like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I totally skated for them. They were they were filming for a video called Thesis when I was in college. Yep. Then um, a lot of people in in the Northeast remember that because it was like one of the first skate shops to do a video. Yeah, and uh, it was it was pretty well received, and um, I was filming with Adam Clark, who wrote for them, and uh, I wound up with the part in the video. 
And then I was like, okay, I'm on the, I'm in the video. I might as well be on the team. And so okay. I worked for the shop, and I worked for them for like forever. Oh, sick! All right, so you worked at the shop. I worked at the shop here and there. I worked mostly at the skate park. Um, when they opened the, when they opened Junction, I worked there here and there in the winter, especially when I wasn't super busy skating. Um, they've been good for that scene, man. A lot of skate shops come and go, as you know, because you've got a good shop around you too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to me, just from outside looking in now, how hard those guys have worked to enjoy the level of success they have. Yeah. When I first met those guys, Dan also worked bagging groceries at the supermarket because they didn't make any money, you know? And now to see them as, you know, like one of those regional powerhouse skate shops, uh, not that I, I mean, I don't think anybody owns a skate shop is really getting rich off or anything like that, but. Obviously, they're successful. They don't have to have other jobs now. Yeah, it's awesome to be able to live in the skateboard realm and, and provide opportunity and employees and. Skateboard. Especially if you love it, like you know, like Dan and Frank, those guys are they're they're true and true. You know, like they they love skateboarding. So uh, I I I'm so proud of the, the success they've had and that they're still sticking around. And you know, there was a while where they 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 took a, some shit for um, you know opening the shop in the mall and things like that. And I, and I just feel like. You know, they saw where things were going, and they took decided to take it head on. And there's not too many shops that can call themselves core that can go to a mall and take on Zoomies and win. Yeah, that's pretty sick. <laughs> so, so, like, you can hate on it if you want, but if you were hating on it, you're probably not in business anymore, and they are. So the proof is in the pudding, you know. And I think I think that's one thing with skateboarding you see, you know, like anybody who would say something negative about something probably isn't around a couple of years later yeah exactly because it's for selfish reasons a lot of people that talk shit and stuff they're not focused on the big picture you know well you know, I mean, they, they, people lack their own sort of vision or or direction you know and if if your identity in skateboarding is to not be that person well, you, you're not anybody yeah you, know? you, you don't have your own thing so i i I'm, i have a lot of respect for those dudes i love that they've like you know, kept doing it, and they, they continue to, you know, find new talent and make more videos and keep it fun at the same time. And, you know. I appreciate that they spare they they work with Roll for Rob and really push that a lot. Like, that was really oh, amazing. Dan, yeah, Dan is really, really key to that whole situation, and he's just, uh, he's just a really solid dude, and, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a good thing, man. They're a good shop. And yeah, that's like, awesome. It's cool to be part of their legacy, man, and that, you must be stoked for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing was uh, the one-footed feebles. <laughs> Are you doing any recently? <laughs> I can do it on command. Yes. <laughs> See, when you come to Edge, if you come to Skater's Edge, I gotta meet up, and then that's what we gotta do. We got flat bars there. That's my Instagram clip for the night. Is the one-footed feeble? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. If it's you and me in a game of skate on a flat bar, I'm sure not gonna do a kickflip board slide. So. <laughs> That have to come at you with something, you know what I mean? I uh, respect it, dude. If I don't take the time to learn that shit, man, I deserve the letter. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I was pumped on that trick. I I thought it was cool. Uh, on some level, I think I still do. Sick. And the funny story about that, I don't know where you saw it, but it, <laughs> there was a photo of that trick in Transport. Really? What the fuck? That's sick. At Tampa. <laughs> On the flat bar, and it was a sick photo. I, well, in my opinion, it was a sick photo. But was your but foot like was, fully off, like Tony Hawk style? Like, oh yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna Google it. Is it online? You think? 
it might be. I could probably dig it up for you. If you do, that's how I'm going to promote the episode so people can be like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's always been kind of like a thing I get made fun of for, but I'm I'm 100% pumped on it. That's Sorry. what makes it awesome is that you're fucking embracing it. Cause it's yeah, I don't even care. <laughs> I'm down for it. But I was at Ted Newsom's apartment in New York when he was laying out the issue for Tampa. And I think I got like fourth that year or something. And I was, I basically made him put that photo in the magazine. <laughs> I was like, put that, yeah, I was like, you gotta put that in. And he was like, this is the corniest. I was like, no, Ted, like that, this trick is sick. You gotta, and he put it in that. So that was the most like arm twisting I ever did to get coverage. But, um, yeah, I got the photo. I got the flick. Hey, listen. That's fucking awesome. What's the guy's name with the one footed crooked grind? That Fabrizio one. Santos. You know, Jamie and, and Welcome to Hell with the one footed 50 50. You're on. To, you were on to something. You don't remember that clip, but you're gonna watch it now, and you'll remember. <laughs> oh no, I remember. I love. You it. had a headband on and everything. <laughs> I love it. I love all that stuff. I always like. I always encourage people to do Benihanas. I'm like, fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> Get with when you're not when you're not good at skating. You have to distinguish yourself, however you can. <laughs> I just I like it because. I like it because it's not the cool guy move. It's just like, you don't give shit. It's like, this is what I'm doing. Like, fucking suck it. That's just your opinion, man. I think it's a cool guy move. <laughs> I can't grind very good, so I gotta have something. Um, fuck, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I'm hyped that you're part of it. I mean, we're, we haven't... I think we're 96 or 95 episodes hey, you're now. Deep now. When you start no, no, dude, to be honest, I had you on my list from the beginning. You and Charlie Wilkins have been on my list just trying to get to these people, like I, things pop up and I'm like, uh, and I finally got a chance. I had a moment and I was like, yeah, I'm going to hit up Toby and we're going to get it going. And I love talking to people like you because I looked up your skate. I looked up to, I looked up to you and your skating because you're from the same area. You're from the Northeast. And to me, like I was paying attention to you guys because I didn't know, like I wanted to be sponsored and I would be part of the whole thing and I would watch you guys. And I'm like, how do these dudes make it from here? And like, what do they do? You know? And it's like you said, it's all work ethic and, sheer will and just taking advantage of opportunities and creating opportunities and you were one of the dudes and it, you you inspired me to keep going and and i've skateboarding has enriched my life more than it's all i need so like thank you you know what i mean feeling the same way it means well keep in mind that that that's the role that you're playing right now i try to be very conscious of that i very try i try to like i'd want to be a good influencer or a good leader i want to like get better and like i just want it all to grow and like i try i try it's, it's important it's important in a in an industry that's run by 16 year old kids yeah you know things like integrity and self-respect and 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 um honesty like those things are really important and, and when you're a grown-up and you, you recognize the value of that stuff it's important for guys like you to be putting the right stuff out there and, and really putting the next level of kids in a good position to be successful, not just in skateboarding, but in life, because, you know, the, the, the lessons you learn in skateboarding, that's what is going to form your life. You know, I've been skateboarding more than half of my life. I am a skateboarder. So whatever I do in my glass business or with my real estate or, or in my community, it comes from skateboarding. And whether what you learn from skateboarding is like, how to smoke weed behind the jump ramp or, or the mini ramp or how to, you know, fall down and get back up and keep working. Like that's up to people like you, you know? So yeah. I, I really appreciate what you're doing and how hard you're, I know the sacrifices that you make to, to participate in skateboarding at the level that you do. I, I think probably a lot of people that you help don't realize that, but 
from one of the old old guys, like I appreciate what you're doing, and and I'm I'm really proud of you for 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 how much work you put into it and what you contribute to your scene. And keep going, man. <laughs> Fucking thank you, man. And and honestly, it's not it's this. This is why I do the podcast because people can listen to this and listen to the stories and listen to skateboarders that have turned into adults and become successful in skateboarding and outside, successful at life. You know, so. Kids are very intelligent, I really believe it, and they consume content, and it, the more they hear people talking about the pitfalls that could come and how people overcame them and how they, you know, forged careers and were involved in the true side of skateboarding, not just the, like, flashy photo and the bullshit gimmicks and stuff to sell, but the authentic, true skateboarders talk about their stories and experiences, then more of the next generation is going to be prepared to, like, take skateboarding in the industry whichever way it needs to go for the betterment so it's all of us together and that's why i do this podcast and that's why i'll continue to do it and i'll pay my own money to keep it going no matter like i don't care it's fucking and it brings me joy so it's all of us thank you man thank you hang on brothers and sisters liberation is near it's almost time Hell yeah, say come on. To all my people where you at, put your fist up. We gon' twist up, say come on, come on. Experience the train. Come on, experience rocking with the reflection.